Please take a seat. I'm going to first ask Margaret Norris to come and just come and give her testimony. Would you like to come forward, Margaret? Good morning, church. It's good to recognise many old faces from when I was here doing the youth leading work at St Paul's 20 years ago. Scary, isn't it? I've got the wrinkles to prove it now. And to be welcomed by so many new ones. And I have to say that people have been really overflowing with their love towards a stranger coming in. I'm calling this testimony the three C's. Christ, COVID, and cancer. It's been a tough year for most of us, hasn't it? But just before the first lockdown, both my nephew and I were diagnosed with cancer. Sadly, Niels proved terminal, the fifth member of my family to die of the disease. Reverend Dozy presided over the funeral here at St Paul's back in June, and my unbelieving family were very touched by his graciousness and how helpful the church was during a difficult time in lockdown. My own diagnosis wasn't helped by being refused a routine test by St Mary's Hospital, but I kept getting what I call the Holy Spirit niggle. He wouldn't go away. And after praying, I felt the Lord insisting I should not give up but apply to the private hospital in Southampton. So I did. They called me in for an appointment the next day and I was diagnosed with four tumours on the spot. Bit of a shock. And I'm not particularly well off. But you know, Father God has promised to supply all our needs in Christ Jesus. If we obey his word and follow his commands, he calls us friends and friends look out for one another. And I had an overwhelming assurance that God was with me in this, even though I was petrified. He said he would spare me, but I must stick close to him. And guess what? The £3,000 cost of the test was found as well. So the operation was arranged on the NHS, who must respond within two weeks of a cancer diagnosis, and I was called in during March. We all knew something was going on in the hospital because the wards were all closed and sealed off. But of course, we didn't know about the COVID (coughs) pandemic then. The room next to mine was totally screened, but I just used the time to talk to whoever came into my room about Jesus including two nurses, a physio, and a ward cleaner. They saw my Everyday with Jesus Bible notes open on my bed with my Bible. And you know what? They began the conversation. When people are afraid, they don't mind at all talking about God. And I promised to follow Christ my Saviour at the age of 33 down at the Elim Church on the roundabout. I was baptised in the Holy Spirit 
and received his gift of speaking in tongues. And they haven't been able to shut me up since. And this is what I believe the Lord wants to say me to, to say today. I don't fear COVID. It's a disease, just like many others that we have to contend with on this earth. I don't fear cancer. The worst it can do is kill me, in which case I'll be having tea with Jesus. But I'd be very afraid if I hadn't accepted Jesus Christ as my saviour because he holds the key to eternity. Where will you spend eternity? Do you know for certain? I do. And incidentally, I was able to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with Neil before he died. He accepted Jesus as his Lord and Saviour and I have no doubt whatsoever we will be meeting up in heaven someday because of Jesus and what he's already accomplished on the cross. Hallelujah! Thank you, Margaret. Can we, can we pray? Have you got a word, have you? No. She's just... Thank you, thank you, Margaret. Can we just pray for you, Margaret, before we... Is that okay? Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for your healing touch upon Margaret and for the testimony she has shared this morning. Father God, we just ask for your blessing upon her now. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're obviously uh, also studying Ephesians on a Sunday morning. And one thing that we could, thought we could do this morning was to actually read, well not you read, but for three people to read Ephesians from the message version, which is a paraphrased version of the Bible. So it runs from start to finish, a bit like a sermon. And we have three, um, three volunteers to read today. Ivan is going to read the first two chapters. Uh, Josephine is going to read uh, three and four. And Malcolm is going to read five and six. So, guys, if you'd like to come forward and listen to it this morning and just let it soak in. Over to you, Ivan. You can come up and go for it. Good morning, brethren. And um, I'm going to be reading from, as you've just heard, from the message, a paraphrased translation that we recognize from Holy Scripture. And it's, I, I will be reading the first two chapters to us and bearing in mind that this letter is one of a few letters that the Apostle Paul wrote in his um, imprisonment in Rome. <clears throat> Paul, I, Paul, am under God's plan as an apostle a special agent of Christ Jesus, writing to you, faithful believers in Ephesus. I greet you with the grace and peace poured into our lives by God, our Father, and our Master, Jesus Christ. How blessed is God, and what a blessing he is 
He is the Father of our Master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in Him. Long before He laid down earth's foundations, He had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of His love, to be made whole and holy by His love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we are a free people, free of penalties and punishments, chalked up by all our misdeeds, and not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him. Everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet earth. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us for glorious living, the designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose. He is working out in everything and everyone. It is in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed it, this message of our salvation, found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This down payment from God is the first installment on what is coming, a reminder that we will get everything God has planned for us, a praising and glorious life. That is why when I heard of the solid trust you have in the Master Jesus and your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop think thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I'd think of you and give thanks. But I do more than thank. I ask. Ask the God of our Master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally, your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy, boundless strength. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven, in 
charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments. No name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all. Has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus our Messiah. Now God has us where he wants us with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It is God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. But don't take any of this for granted. It was only yesterday that you outsiders to God's ways had no idea of any of this, didn't know the first thing about the way God works, hadn't the faintest idea of Christ. You knew nothing of that rich history of God's covenants and promises in Israel, hadn't a clue about what God was doing in the world at large. Now, because of Christ dying that death, shedding that blood, you, who were once out of it altogether, are in on everything. The Messiah has made things up between us so that we are now together on this. Both non-Jewish outsiders and Jewish insiders. 
He tore down the wall. We used to keep each other at a distance. He repealed the law code that had become so clogged with fine print and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. Then he started over. Instead of continuing with two group of people separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion, he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everybody. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace and that was the end of the hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. He treated us as equals and so made us equals. Though through him we both share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. That's plain enough, isn't it? You are no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here, in what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God. All of us built into it a temple in which God is, is quite at home. Thanks be to God. This is why I, Paul, am in jail for Christ, having taken up the cause of you outsiders, so-called. I take it that you're familiar with the part I was given in God's plan for including everybody. I got the inside story on this from God himself, just as I wrote you in brief. As you read over what I have written to you, you'll be able to see for yourselves into the mystery of Christ. None of our ancestors understood this. Only in our time has it been made clear by God's Spirit through his holy apostles and prophets of this new order. The mystery is that people who have never heard of God and those who have heard of him all their lives, that's what I've been calling outsiders and insiders, stand on the same ground to, before God. They get the same offer, same help, same promises in Christ Jesus. The message is accessible and welcoming to everyone across the board. This is my life's work helping people understand and respond to this message. It came as a sheer gift to me, a real surprise, God handling all the details. When it came to presenting the message to people who had no background in God's way, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. 
God saw to it that I was equipped, but you could be sure that it had nothing to do with my natural abilities. And so here I am, preaching and writing about things that are way over my head, the inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. My task is to bring out in the open and make plain what God, who created all this in the first place, has been doing in secret and behind the scenes all along. Through followers of Jesus like yourselves gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. All of this is preceding along lines planned all along by God and then executed in Christ Jesus. When we trust in him, we're free to say whatever needs to be said, bold to go wherever we need to go. So don't let my present trouble on your behalf get you down. Be proud. My response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength, that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breadth. Test its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. God can do anything you know far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah, in Jesus. Glory down all the generations. Glory through all the millennia. Oh, yes. In the light of this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk, better yet run, on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this in humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily, pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. You were all called to travel on the same road in the same direction, so stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who rolls over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. But that doesn't mean that you should all look and speak and act the same. Out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given his own gift. The text for this is, he climbed the highest mountain, 
He captured the enemy and seized the plunder. He handed it all out in gifts to the people. Is it not true that the one who climbed up also climbed down, down to the valley of earth? And the one who climbed down is the one who climbed back up, up to the highest heaven. He handed out gifts above and below, filled heaven with his gifts, filled earth with his gifts. He handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor teacher to train God's followers in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body, the church, until we are all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. No prolonged infancies among us, please, will not tolerate babes in the wood, small children who are easy prey for predators. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and tell it in love, like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. And so I insist, and God backs me up on this, that there will be no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. They've refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch, not only with God, but with reality itself. They can't think straight anymore. Feeling no pain, they let themselves go in sexual obsession, addicted to every sort of perversion. But that's no life for you. You learned Christ. My assumption is that you have kept, paid careful attention to him, been well instructed in the truth precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it and then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. What this adds up to, then, is this. No more lies, no more pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we are all connected to each other after all. When you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Did you used to make ends meet by stealing? Well, no more. Get an honest job so that you can help others who can't work. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps, each word a gift. 
Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another. Sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. Watch what God does and then do it. Like children who learn proper behaviour from their parents. Mostly, what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Don't allow love to turn into lust, setting off a downhill slide into sexual promiscuity, filthy practices, or bullying greed. Though some tongues just love the taste of gossip, those who follow Jesus have better use for language than that. Don't talk dirty or silly. That kind of talk doesn't fit our style. Thanksgiving is our dialect. You can be sure that using people or religion or things just for what you can get out of them, the, vari- the usual variation on idolatry, will get you nowhere, and certainly nowhere near the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God. Don't let yourselves get taken in by religious smooth talk. God gets furious with people who are full of religious sales talk, but want nothing to do with him. Don't even hang around with people like that. You groped your way through that murk once, but no longer. You're out in the open now. The bright light of Christ makes your way plain. So no more stumbling around. Get on with it. The good, the right, the true. These are the actions appropriate for daylight hours. Figure out what will please Christ and then do it. Don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work the barren pursuits of darkness. Expose these things for the sham that they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things that must be done in the darkness where no one will see. Rip the cover off these frauds and see how attractive they look in the light of Christ. Wake up from your sleep. Climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. Don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Drink the Spirit of God, huge drafts of him. Sing hymns instead of drinking songs. Sing songs from your heart to Christ. 
Sing praises over everything. Any excuse for a song to God the Father in the name of the Master, Jesus Christ. Out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverent to one another. Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provide leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church. Not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Husbands, go all out to love your wives exactly as Christ did the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring out the best in her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favour, since they're already one in marriage. No one abuses his own body, does he? No, he feeds and pampers it. And that's how Christ treats us, the church, since we are part of his body. And this is why a man leaves his father and mother and cherishes his wife. No longer two, they become one flesh. This is a huge mystery, and I don't pretend to understand it all. What is clearest to me is the way Christ treats the church. And this provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife, loving himself in loving her, and how each wife is to honour her husband. Children, do what your parents tell you. This is only right. Honour your father and mother is the first commandment that has a promise attached to it, namely, so you will live well and have a long life. Fathers, don't frustrate your children with no-win scenarios. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the Master. Servants, respectfully obey your earthly master, but always with an eye to obeying the real Master, Christ. Don't just do what you have to do to get by, but work heartily as Christ's servants, doing what God wants you to do. And work with a smile on your face, always keeping in mind that no matter who happens to be giving the orders, you're really serving God. Good work will get you good pay from the Master, regardless of whether you are a slave or free. Masters, it's the same with you. No abuse, please, and no threats. You and your servants are both under the same master in heaven. He makes no distinction between you and them. And that about wraps it up. God is strong, and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use, 
So you, you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no weekend war that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over but the shouting, you will still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. And don't forget to pray for me. Pray that I'll know what to say and have the courage to say it at the right time, telling the mystery to one and all, the message that I, a jailbird preacher that I am, am responsible for getting out. Ticatus, my good friend here, will tell you what I'm doing and how things are going with me. He is certainly a dependable servant of the Master. I've sent him not only to tell you about us, but to cheer you on in your faith. Goodbye, friends. Loved mixed with faith be yours, from God the Father, and from the Master, Jesus Christ. Pure grace, and nothing but grace, will be with all who love our Master, Jesus Christ. And at the end of all that, my dear friends, we need to say a loud and thankful Amen. Amen. Thank you. There's something very powerful about just listening to the whole of the letter, uh, and particularly from the message version. Thank you. Thank you, our readers, this morning. Liz is going to come forward and share some of the words and prophecies that we've... Every, every time there's one shared, they're written down in the book, in, in the red book at the back of the church, which, which, if you don't know, is there, is at the back of the church. Um, so Liz is just going to come and share some she's got on her heart this morning. Uh, yes. Um, over the years, you know, God has been so faithful to us. Um, when we've had a word or what a prophecy from one of our brothers or sisters in Christ, there's always been an opportunity to make um, a note of it and write it down. I've been keeping a, a journal for about 11 years now, and this is full of words. And some of them, just to remind you how important they were at the time and how faithful God has been to us here at St. Paul's. You all remember seeing this one, the back of the church. It's St. Paul's vision. So this was given in um, April in uh, 2009 by Diane. And this is something that went into our profile when we advertised for our new priest in charge. And I just want to remind those who perhaps would like to hear it again, 
Come, now is the time to worship. Come, now is the time to give your heart. Come just as you are to worship. Come just as you are before your God come. I'm making you a family that loves and accepts each other, whatever. A family where there is discipline and seeking of God for one another. I am testing you to see if you can trust me and do this small thing. For the time is short and you need to know how to bind together and to be able to stand firm and strong in your roots. Then I will come as a rushing wind and move amongst you in power. There are those that flit this way and that, but I say now is the time to stop and be still, to know that I am God and to put down your roots, for there are days of trouble coming and you will need to stand firm. Family love will heal and strengthen you and bind you together so that you can weather the storms that are ahead. No one in a family is exalted above another. Therefore, discern, cling to the root and stand firm. Come in my hand are many gifts. My hand is open. Come. This, say, this was also in our profile when we're looking for our new priest in charge. And our Reverend Dozy Monomy, this was one of the reasons that he, he um, wanted to come and be the priest here, was he read this. Now, in January uh, 2011, our previous um, vicar, Reverend Peter Pindentil, um, was here then. And this word had come back to, to him, and he put a, little, uh, a note, and it was repeated um, that time. This word has come back to our attention again at this important junction. That was Peter. So it was repeated then. We've also had many other words. I mean, there's, there's years of words, but I've, I've had to just sort through the ones that I felt were important and applied to, to what God was saying to us as a church family and how of his faithfulness if we are obedient to him. We had a word in, um, this is from Diane, again, in, uh, it's April, that was 2015. It says, Di spoke that she believed that this is a very important word for us as a fellowship and as a church. This is what God was saying to us that time. I will not let you go unless you bless me. This is about Jacob wrestling with God. That's Genesis 32, verse 26. Because our struggle in this place has a promise that if we cling on to God and we hold on and hold on and hold on fast, then the blessing will be upon us, that we will get the right person for this place and we will be the right people for that person. For the Lord just wants us to cling on and cling on. So Lord was, was just encouraging us because uh, uh, the battle was getting fiercer at the time and we were, as you remember how many years we were without um, a priest in charge. And we, we had a, a visiting ministry um, here in September 15. It was CMJ, that's uh, the Christian Ministry for Jewish People. Just looking at Mary. And um, Robin Aldridge was one of the speakers as part of that. And during communion, um, the communion service, uh, the, he had um, a picture. So he says, during the communion service, God gave me a picture which I believe is for you. That's us. And it was of a cathedral, and it had a huge great west door with great big wooden doors. And inside was a group of people pushing it really hard. 
it says, pushing really hard on this great west door, and it wouldn't move, absolutely would not move, then these people all gave up in tiredness and sat down looking at the door. That would be us. And then he goes on to say, then he saw a great gust of wind come from the outside and blow the doors open wide. And that was the picture that he had for us back in 2015. Because we've moved on from there. And so actually, it was last year, it was when um, our new priest in charge, Reverend Dozie Monami, was, was a licensing service on the Monday the 16th of November. Um, it was a battle, but um, that was a great day. And on the, Sunday be- on the Sunday, the day before, we were in worship and Diane had a word. There was a tongue from John and interpretation from Diane. The Lord says, I'm standing at the door. I can feel that. <laughs> and that door has been closed. That door has been locked. But see, I'm opening that door, and I'm opening it wide, and I'm calling you to come in. I'm saying to you, come, come. Now is the time to worship. Now is the time to give your heart. Come, just as you are to worship. Come, for I have many things for you. I will guide you. I will lead you. Do not be disappointed with the things around you, for they are nothing in my sight. For I have set before you many things, great things. Come, come, now is the time to worship. Now is the time to give your heart. Come. And Diane said that this is the fulfillment of St. Paul's vision that was given in April 2009. So we, we just thank the Lord for his faithfulness to us. And, and as we've been obedient to him and to um, walk with him all those years, that he brought the right person, brought in Dozy for us, and we were the right person for the right church family for Dozy and the family. Um, and he has, he's not finished. He's not finished. So just hang on to that for now and wait and watch and see what he's going to do next. Because he's given us some amazing promises in, um, through prophecy and for word that St. Paul's is a beacon of light for the Isle of Wight. So we trust God and his faithfulness to us so far. Amen to that. Amen. <laughs>